What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 14 of Twigs and Twine, our playoff preview. Before we get into the news, let's say hi to the boys real quick. Alex Muff, how you doing? How's your week been? Not too bad. Enjoying the nice weather, finally. Oh, honestly, finally. Toronto's been a complete shithole the past few weeks. Right. And Joey Ferlano, how you been? Same old, same old. Beautiful. All right, let's get into it real quick. So we're going to do our playoff preview going division by division, series by series, giving our little our breakdown, and then later on getting into some more of our final picks for our Stanley Cup favorites and our dark horses. But before we get into that, it won't be a Twigs and Twine episode without shitting on Buffalo. So let's get into it. There's two quotes that came out th- this week, one from Jack Eichel, one from Rista Linen, both basically saying how, hinting at a potential exit this summer. Start with Rista Linen. He was quoted earlier on this week saying, and I quote, for me, I can't go for another rebuild or wait multiple years. For me, I mean, we have to get to the playoffs next year. For me, it's either here or then somewhere else. And Jack Eichel, quote is saying, in regards to his injury, I've been a bit upset about the way things have been handled since I've been hurt. The most important thing now is to get healthy and be ready to play hockey next year, wherever that might be. So, Ristolainen has been talked about for a while now. He submitted a trade request earlier on the season. Jack Eichel as well, but he never formally submitted a request. They're both gone, eh? Personally, I give it till free agency. They're going to be gone. I uh, think Eichel would be before Ristolainen. Really? Yeah. There's just been too much drama with Jack Eichel that I think that both sides could use a fresh start. Ristolainen's name hasn't been in the news as much as Eichel, maybe because he's not as big of a name as Eichel is. I think the Buffalo Sabres feel as if they still have a chance to iron out their relationship and hopefully have him as their number one defenseman for years to come. Number one, no chance because they got Dalene, but I don't know. But realistically, that's a much easier contract to move. I don't know how much Ristolainen's making this season. It might be an easier contract to move, but the only thing is, is Jack Eichel, he'll be easy to move just because his name is Jack Eichel and we've seen what he can do. That's the only reason why. Yeah, Ristolainen's making 5.4, so I'm going to have to side with Muff on this. I think Eichel's going to be an easier player to move because obviously this season, as a defenseman, Ristolainen had a pretty good or decent year. Definitely a drop from his previous years, but like Muff said, Jack Eichel... It's the name. Everybody knows what he's capable of. He's a fantastic player. And there's just been too much speculation on his relationship with the management team in Buffalo. I think he's first gone. But at the same time, have you seen what the expectations are if Buffalo wants to return? They want a first-round pick, a high-level prospect. Like, I think I saw Byfield hinted. And then some, and something on top of that for Eichel. So... I think that from a, a buyer standpoint, Ristolainen is going to be the one gone first. But that's a, not a bad asking price for franchise center, if you ask me. He's established himself in the league that when he is healthy, he's a top five scorer, in my opinion. That might vary amongst others. But in my opinion, he's a top five scorer when he's healthy. And if you're going to put in a top prospect in there who hasn't exactly solidified his name, but he's making headlines and he's drawing excitement, I'd risk it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely risk it as well. We all know what Jack Eichel's capable of. Even in playing in Buffalo, 21 games, 18 points this year, obviously a drop. But you look at his previous seasons, this guy's a stand-up player. And he's a great leader. They gave him the C for a reason, right? For Byfield, I, me personally, just looking uh, back on comparing their junior, uh, their, well, Eichel collegiate, Byfield junior year, I personally think that Eichel will have a better career than Byfield. That being said, I would absolutely risk it for Jack Eichel. 
100%. Which I do get it, but also, what was the injury that he's currently recovering from? What was it again? Jack Eichel? Yeah. Something in his back. I don't remember exactly. Okay, so also, what I'm thinking of about this whole situation, it brings me back to the Eric Carlson trade. When he got traded from Ottawa to San Jose, they gave up an arm and a leg for him, but it's Eric Carlson. It's Eric Carlson. He was coming off a big injury. And ever since that trade, his production's dropped off a lot. He's still a pretty damn good player, but he's nowhere near the player that he used to be. I think it's two separate situations, honestly. You, yeah, 100%. Well, Carlton yeah, was go. a bit older, and he was happy. He, he is Hollywood, older, yeah. That was Ottawa. four years ago. Yeah, Carlton was so older than what Eichel was now. He would have been a year older than Eichel. But the thing is, yeah. it's a lot harder for an offensive defenseman to keep up. Well, in Carlson's case, it's a lot harder for him to be consistent with the numbers that he was putting up as a defenseman. Is that not every defenseman can do that? And even those who can, they can't put up the numbers that he put up in that year. Eichel, on the other hand, he's an established center who's proved that he can put up points. That's the difference. You can't expect Eric Carlson, and he was going to the San Jose Sharks too. Like, yeah, it's he's playing behind Brent Burns and Logan Contour and all these guys. He's not the first option on that team like he was on Ottawa. Anywhere Jack Eichel goes, he's going to be the first option to get the puck. Yeah, and like, it was two separate situations. Uh, Carlson came from a strong Ottawa team. We talk about players needing a change of scenery all the time. So this is a classic point. And Eichel is putting in these type of numbers virtually by himself. Imagine if you put him with a player like Drew Dowdy behind him. Someone that could feed him. Who else is on the team? Or if you get a good winger to play with him, too. Yeah. The possibilities are kind of... Thomas? Yeah. Uh, I I think his ship sailed. I won't say ship sailed, but I don't think he's going to be as great as we once thought, thought, but that is a conversation for another episode. So I I mentioned it with Akil Thomas, and it's been rumored when it comes to Jack Eichel of the LA Kings being one of the front runners. And there was a quote from Drew Doughty that came out a few days ago, put a little bit of fuel on that fire, saying that he would not be happy if significant moves are not made by the team this summer. So obviously, Doughty, he's a competitor. He's getting a little bit up there. He's making, what, 11 million bucks. Obviously, he wants to win, and... The Kings, they had a pretty good season considering, if I'm not mistaken, they just barely missed the playoffs by, they didn't miss the playoffs by that many. And because Dowdy, he's got so much pull on that team. I would not be surprised if that was the, the spark that led to them going out and making a heavy pitch at a guy like Jack Eichel. I don't know. See, the thing is, Dowdy can say that, but so many players have been linked to the LA Kings. You could put anybody who's in their rumor mill. Fuck. We could even go with like Ovechkin, who we all expect to re-sign with Washington once the year's done. But he can have ties to the LA Kings just because it's Los Angeles. They have the space and they think, people think that every player wants to play there. But I don't know. If I'm Eichel, I don't want to go to Los Angeles. I, I really don't. If I was Eichel, I'd be excited to go anywhere, honestly. No matter, yeah, no matter at the what very minimum, team, yeah. No matter what team he goes to, he's going to be a great asset. He's going to help him out. But I think he would just be happy just to get out of Buffalo. A uh, new team, new management, so that's the biggest thing. And uh, I think it'd be real beneficial for his career. Well, 100%, yeah. So let's put it right here, uh, here and now. Who are your uh, your favorites for the Jack Eichel sweepstakes? 
I haven't really done much research, but I'm gonna go with LA. You're going with LA? I don't know. I'm going I'm gonna say like one of these dark horse teams. You know, if I had to guess, I'm gonna probably go with Columbus. Can they if they don't, manage, they don't have the assets for it. No, listen, hear me out here. If they find a way to strike a deal, he's gonna end up playing with a top winger in the league, and he can have top defensemen in Jones and Wierenski on the back end feeding him. I don't see that one of these team names are being pushed heavily or the heavily favorites. I don't see him landing Eichel. I think it can be a team like Columbus. I'm gonna have to go with the Kings because it does make sense, and I'm pretty sure Eichel actually bought a place in California recently. I don't want to shit on your parade, but there's a lot of people who just buy. Pro- property in california to buy just to have a house in california yeah, it's just like yeah you do make a good point about it but still like, i would have to say i would have to say it would make sense it would bring him to a bigger market than fucking buffalo at least me thinking from michael's perspective when you're already playing in buffalo going to columbus from a market standpoint it doesn't you know yeah, that's not much of a step up i think that he's gonna end up going to la they're gonna end up having to give up a couple of firsts and a kill and a kill thomas something like that or plus plus even Similar, maybe even similar to the Eric Carlson trade, like I mentioned. Yeah, I think he's going to end up going there. He's going to be mentored by Anze Kopitar in, in his last few years. And I think that could be a good, a huge boost for his career. Help him out more in the defensive end as well as some scoring. I really don't think Eichel has to be mentored, honestly. Honestly, that, that's a pretty like his good game, What? Being, no, I was just saying he's established himself as a goal scorer. And he's just a couple of years out of his prime. I really don't think that he's gonna not open up to the idea. I really don't think having Kopitar there is going to transform him into this more of a two-way player that we'd expect. I really don't think so. If you think about it, he's always been in uh, Buffalo, and he's always been the guy in Buffalo. And never really had anybody look up, look up to. It's kind of he kind of stepped in. His yeah, he had Matt. Career. He had Matt Molson for a year. Molson, I mean, that's a name people have to look up. Molson, yeah, you know, you hear a story. Molson is obviously one of the hardest workers to ever play the game. Great story in him, by the way. If you read into it, fantastic guy. Sure, I've never actually heard that story. Great story. He was always the underdog. I think he played double A all his life. Played junior B, gold represent, you know how it is. But enough of Molson. But Molson was never a superstar like that, though. So you have someone like Kopitar that's won a couple cups. He knows what it takes to lead a team. Well, not lead a team to the Stanley Cup. He wore the A. He knows what it takes to be a guy for the guy for a team like that. I think Eichel, despite being the player he is, can obviously learn a lot from a grizzled vet, Kopitar. Yeah, exactly. Even though, like, yeah, like you mentioned, Alex, he's one of the top scorers in the league. He's very gifted on the offensive end, but everybody can still learn a new skill. Players can always get better both on both ends of the ice. And Kopitar, one of the best two-way centers in this league also pretty damn good on the face-offs i think he'll be able to mentor eichel for those the last few years he's in the league that will be a huge boost to his career especially his uh, stock going into his contract is up in what actually no, did he just sign that or was that a few years back i'm thinking it was a few years back but it was a hefty contract easy, yeah. so he's got another what four or five years about yeah kopitar is gonna be in this league at least another three year so years i think his contract's another long one too i think that a guy like kopitar is gonna be the biggest boost for eichel's career because again it's that veteran presence i always like to make this comparison even this year austin matthews with joe thornton and jason spezza he had two of the best centermen in the past 20 years playing with him he obviously took pointers off him it helped him to change his game around a little bit helped him to improve players they, they always take from people who have been there longer and experienced them I really don't think bringing Spezza and Marlowe in into Toronto was to 
benefit Matthews's defensive game. See, obviously, I, I think they were no, brought in for the leadership role. Obviously, I, that's not that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying like it was it was an extra like the fact that they were there and it helped them like that leadership also helped Austin to grow as a leader while also helping him to improve on aspects of his game because they were there and he could utilize his peers that have the track record that have the history that have the skill set. I still don't think Austin Matthews is a good defender. His defensive game, I really don't think it's all that strong. He's not, but I do think that since he came into this league, it did improve a lot. I don't know about a lot. There are minor improvements. I remember first watching Leaf games. If you watch him on the defensive end, he was like clueless. He's just kind of skating around, but now he kind of knows to how to support the play and when to help and when to not and where he needs to be. But just like Eichel, I think they're the exact same player in my opinion. I really don't think that their play styles are going to change anymore. I really don't. In the end, his fate is also partially up to the teams and up to the Sabres as well because we could talk as much as he wants and it's all up to if the Sabres actually accept a, a trade. Anyways, I think we should move on to our playoff preview starting with the East Division. Starting off with the Battle of Florida, first time in league history, Tampa Bay versus the Florida Panthers. This is going to be a bit of an easy one. I think like Tampa is the better team here, in my personal opinion. I'll send it off to the boys in a second. But I think Tampa has Florida beat in every aspect, whether it be scoring on the defensive end and in the crease. I'm saying Tampa in five. Start off with Joey this time. Absolutely. I think it's a no-brainer here. I'm not going to speak too soon, obviously. We, we all know the situation that happened in Columbus a couple of years back. But you have an eager Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos back from injury. I'm not sure how much of an impact they are going to make right away. But knowing those two players, they don't take long to make an impression. So not much to say. I'm giving this 110% to Tampa. If I had to predict, Florida does have a good team. Let's not overlook them. They have a strong team. I think Tampa 6. They'll definitely Tampa, fight back. Tampa 6. I'm going Florida in 7. I think this is going to go all the way down to the wire. Listen, Kucherov hasn't played a game in, what's it been, close to a year? No, a little less than that, eh? Well, he year, hasn't yeah. played since the cup or final. The cup final. Okay, yeah. So, but 10, 11 months or so. Playoff hockey is so much more different compared to the regular season games. Honestly, I think if the Florida Panthers can go out and just absolutely hurt Kucherov and Stamkos every time they're on the ice... It's going to make for an easy playoff win, in my opinion. Granted, if they come back and start playing like their MVP uh, selves, the way they were playing last season, it could be a quick series. But Florida, they've been the underdog for a long time this season. They've been hanging around around the top of the league the entire season. I just think Florida, they're that much more grittier this year. They really want... They have the drive to win a cup. I think they take it in seven. Interesting. That would be a great underdog story. My God. It's going to be uh, similar to what we got up in, the, up in the next division with the St. Louis series. But I don't know. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that because I think that Tampa, that team is just too good. And I don't think the reigning cup champions are going to be dethroned in the first round. I don't know. Wasn't two years ago they got swept. Yeah, so, they got, I mean, two years ago they got swept four games straight. Yeah, so anything can happen. That's, you know what I mean? And I think uh, Florida, they have the capability to do that. By the way, just to shove it to you a little bit more after uh, the past few weeks, they got swept by the John Tortorella coached Columbus Blue Jackets for all the shitting shitting on Tortorella that you've done. Now look at him. He has no team to coach next season. Yeah, that was his choice. Moving on to 
Nashville versus Carolina, a series that honestly I never would have expected because I didn't think Nashville would have made the playoffs by now. Just looking at it, just off the cuff, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Carolina, in my opinion, top two defense corner in the league. I don't see much with the Preds, realistically. I don't see much at all. Their highest score this year was Roman Yossi with 33 points in 48 games with Philip Forsberg 32 and 39. It's a pretty damn good season, but I think they're not going to be able to do enough to knock off the Hurricanes. I think it's going to be another quick one. I think the East is going to be done quick. I'm calling Carolina in four. I'm going to agree with you. Arguably, Nashville shouldn't even be in the playoffs. My opinion, I don't think they're even good enough. How they made it is kind of a miracle. But Johansson, who's supposed to be their top forward, 22 points this season. And Matthew Shane, the abysmal 13. And he was minus 12 on the year. I really don't think they're going to be able to put up any points against, like you mentioned, Carolina. In my opinion, top three offensive team in the league. It's going to be a horrendous series for Nashville, 4-0 for the Hurricanes. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute shit show. Joey? I think for the first time in TNT history, we're all agreeing on a topic. I'm um, giving it 4-0 to the Hurricanes. Carolina's just way too deep, and if it wasn't, like Elmuth said, Nashville shouldn't have even been in the playoffs if it wasn't for that yeah. late-season turnaround. Yeah, no, 4-0, no questions asked. Nashville doesn't stand a chance. I think we may have to clip this out, put it on the YouTube channel for the first time. Making history here, everyone actually agrees. Don't get used to it. Honestly, (laughs) because usually when Joey's agreeing with me, it's Muff telling me to go fuck myself and I'm wrong. Well, these last couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of quote unquote, yeah, I'm going to agree with Muff on this one coming out of Joey. It looks like it's just Matthew who has the different opinion from the majority here. The hot, yeah, the hot takes that are going to end up correct when uh, Buffalo announces that Granado's gone and they hired uh, Tortorella. Yeah, it's continue to be a sizzling take for you. That's not even close to sizzling. The sizzling take would be Dominic Ducharme's getting fired and Tortorella's going to go coach in Montreal. See, I don't even think that's a hot take. What? Like, that team plays so perfectly to Tortorella's play style. They're good defensive team when they want to be and Tortorella is all about that they can play physical when they have to Montreal they've kind of struggled this year they do need some improvements all around the roster but if you look at it it doesn't even seem like a hot take it really does you know what since we're just getting off topic here on the topic of uh, physicality with the Canadians I remember in the offseason it was down to Toronto and Montreal for Wayne Simmons I'm curious how that team would have turned out if Simmons decided to go to Quebec same thing moving on from the east we go west the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wilds squaring off in their first round matchup. Honestly, I'm looking at these playoff matchups. These are all very short, Mike. This one is, yeah. Vegas is too deep of a team. I'm going to spoil my predictions from the end of the episode. I got Vegas going to the uh, at least the third round. So I'm going to have to say here, another one. Vegas is going to sweep. I'm going to agree with you here too. The Vegas, they're just so good all around from their forwards all the way to their defensemen. And then they have, in my opinion, the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. It's not even close. When your best player is a 25-year-old rookie in Kaprizov in Minnesota, they're not looking up for you in the playoffs. And you have to play one of the best teams in the league in Vegas who knows how to play playoff hockey. All these players, they've been around for that playoff push. It's just 
not going to end well. Another 4-0 series. Well, you know, I can't agree with the, you guys all the time, so I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to say Vegas in five. Minnesota is obviously not as good as a team, but this season has been a, quite a surprise for everybody in the hockey world. Vegas is going to completely dominate them, but I think they'll have enough momentum from this season and to be able to maybe squeeze a game in. Listen, really listen the only chance they have of, of went taking a game from Vegas is if Kaprizov goes off for four or five. Not even that. It's not going to happen. They're too good defensively and on the back end. Bit of a wager. Bit of a wager. I'm not betting shit with you because you don't... An over-under? No, yeah, Joey, you're the last guy I'm betting (laughs) with here. Come on. You should know this. The next series, Colorado versus St. Louis. At first glance, I would have to go for another sweep, but now that like just looking at it, Colorado's got the much better team by far. But if you look at the Blues, they play that kind of heart and soul game. They can't score for shit, but I think they have the capability and the defensive core to be able to at least take a couple games. So I'm going to, from Colorado, so by that logic, I'm going to have to say Colorado wins in six. Colorado wins in six. We're giving Colorado in four. Yeah, I have Colorado in four too. There's so much better. St. Louis sucks. For everybody listening, me and Joy, we have a buddy who's a Blues fan. And we absolutely grill them because they suck. And this year, it's just the definite. How how they even made the playoffs is surprising. I really don't understand how. They are terrible. Their best player is David Perron. And now he's on the COVID list. Yeah, like how many goals do they have this season? Like 30 combined? Like... Scores <laughs> on that team. They rank 13th in the league in goals for per game, and then 19th for goals allowed per game. With 16 teams in the playoffs, so you do the math. And then Colorado, on the other hand, is first in the league in goals per game, and third in goals against per game. It's a complete mismatch here. Yeah, that's my hot. No, that's my hot take of the episode. Most likely, I don't know. I think that St. Louis is a team that had experience being the underdog. We saw it a couple years back. I don't think that they can win it, but I do think that they can at least upset a couple games. But, I but think those, ga- those games would be low scoring, like one nothing, 2-1 overtime wins. I'd expect them maybe to win one game, just one game. When we look at their playoff run when they won the Cup, Bennington was playing good hockey, which he really hasn't this year all that much. They had Tarasenko in the lineup. They had Stasny, Perron, Petrangelo was playing also very good hockey. It's not the same team that it was. And this team, they'll be lucky, in my opinion, to squeeze out two games. I'm going to say at the most, they win one game. Like you said, it's going to be a close game. They're going to keep it together, play well defensively. And it's just going to be a overtime goal that's kind of a lucky bounce. You mentioned Biddington this season in 42 games, 41 starts. He's got a 9-10 save percentage with a 2.65 GAA. By today's standards, those stats are not that bad. Well, for somebody who's regarded as one of the top goaltenders in the league, having an 18-14-8 record, that's not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Sure, they may be considered good, but when you're playing the Colorado Avalanche, like Grubauer on the other side with a 195 goals against average, and then a 39-1 and record. That's the kind of goaltending you need to make a deep playoff push. This 18-14-8 and eight garbage, it's not going to cut it. 
Moving on to the Central Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders meet again in the first round. And this is going to be more of a tighter series. Yes, obviously the Penguins have Crosby and Malkin and the Islanders, they got not much compared. They got Barzal when it comes to star power. But when you look at the teams from a more, like more in depth, you could see that, especially with their play styles, you could see this is going to be a tight series. The Islanders do play a physical bit of a boring game, if I'm being honest. And that's why like I do see this series going far, especially if they can get good goaltending from Varlamov I think this goes seven I think it's the pens and seven but it could go either way but it's going to end up going the full distance Joey you want to go you can take this one Muff. all right so I'm going to agree that it's going to be a deep series I think it's going to just be in six though Pittsburgh's been on a roll not the entire season but the better half of the season uh, the play of Crosby Gensel Latang, all these guys they're really pushing and they're really making a name that saying that they can still compete for Stanley Cups. On the other hand, the New York Islanders, they have Barry Trotz behind the bench, so they do play a defensive game. They are ranked second in the league in goals against average, so it can be a tight series. I also expect it to be a low-scoring series. It's just, I mean, Pittsburgh... They just have too much power right now, and they right, have a lot of momentum going into this series. The only saving grace for the Islanders is Semyon Varlamov stands on his head the entire series. He lets him maybe a goal a game. That's the only way they get through. Yeah, I know. I'm going to agree. I'm going to give it a, to the Pens in six. Like you said, Pittsburgh just has way more momentum coming into the series. I think they've only lost six times since April in 20 games. Jesus. Well, the Islanders have only won six times in six in their past 16. So that being said, the Pens led by not only than Crosby and Malkin, I think it's kind of another no-brainer. The only reason I don't have the Pens winning in less games is because, like them or not, the Islanders do have a pretty deep team in front of them. However, I do not think they'll be able to match the Penguins' power. One thing about yeah. the series that I do have to say, we're going to see a more physical Crosby than we've seen in a while. Yeah. I like that. I, I like love to though. see it. I love to see it. We're going to see a side of Crosby that has not been seen since the cup runs. He was written off beginning of the season, the first like 15 games. Where yeah, people thought he was going to go to fucking like, Montreal. You know, everyone's going, oh, he's not what he is. This is the start of his downfall, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he's out for heads. He's looking to make, no, he's already made a name for himself, but he's looking to prove to the doubters that he still has what it takes. And in my opinion, he's proof to me that that team knows what they're doing. Granted, I don't watch much Pens games this year, but say that Crosby, he's further solidifying his top five all-time status this season. Oh, definitely. But again, like regardless, one player doesn't make a team. Grant, the Pens do have a deep team, but so do the Islanders. And this is going to end up going seven. Yeah, you said the Islanders have a deep team. But they just can't score. They don't have that firepower. They have, like you said, Barzell, but he's not enough to take a team through the Pittsburgh Penguins. There aren't a lot of players that can just do it by themselves, but Barzell is not having the year that the Islanders need. And they don't have Andres Nielsen this year. He's hurt. So it's going to be a tough go in the playoffs. Andres Nielsen. Anders Nielsen, that's the Buffalo Sabres goalie. You're talking Anders Lee? So, yes. What? Oh, my Jesus. That was ugh, blunder. That was bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, fuck, Anders fuck. Lee. And, and I thought I was having an off night tonight. <laughs> no, I, I've been on my game except that one. I, it's just, whoa. 
All right. right, moving on. The series that already started today at the time of recording, Washington-Boston with Washington winning the first game after Vitez Vanacek, I think it's Vitez, or Vitez Vanacek got injured with Craig Anderson having to come in and take the reins. In my opinion, this game, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but it's not going to change my opinion on the series. I think the Central is going to go deep. I think that's going to be the division that lasts the longest. I'm going to say Washington in seven. What? I think Washington is seven because I think that that Boston team, they don't have the tools to go far. Unless Hall can just go on a rampage, I think that it's going to end up being Washington seven. You know what? I would disagree with you. Had I not seen the highlights to tonight's game, I thought Boston was not a clear winner, but I thought they were going to take it to the Caps in a long seven games. But now I think the Caps are going to take it to Boston in six or seven. What I saw tonight, and I didn't watch the full game, so... Maybe don't quote me on this, but what I saw in these highlights tonight is just a mean, mean-looking Caps team. You could tell Ovechkin's fired up. He's going out there. He's hitting anything and everything. Uh, I think he got one tonight. This guy wants another one. He really does. And with the team that's around him, I think they'll be able to power through the Bruins. The only, not saving grace, but uh, a big thing with the Bruins is a Taylor Hall Inquisition. Acquisition. 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 I'll give myself a strike for that one. Inquisition is something completely different. Yeah. They sound sinister. I don't know. I'm not a he, he was trying to say similar, but he's gonna fuck that up too. He's not a big English guy. Yeah, no, not at all. This is our second job, so <laughs> oh. yeah. The only saving grace is Taylor Hall. Has he ever he's got like five or six career playoff games? Yeah. No, he has fourteen. They mentioned it in the broadcast tonight. Okay, oh yeah, he was on that team that went far that one year in Edmonton. Arguably, this is the best team he's ever been on. Yeah, no, it, it is the best team. Yeah, clear cut best Sorry. team. He really has a chance at it now. I yeah. think he's another guy to watch, and uh, I think if Boston does win, he's going to be the headline of that series. Didn't Hall get fucked over? Like, wasn't he traded for Larson like the year they got McDavid, like a month before the McDavid draft? Yeah, yeah no, that was that year. No, was it? Yeah. No, it was it? Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just agreeing to you guys to agree, but in my NHL bracket, I have Washington in seven. But I watched the game tonight from the first minute all the way to the 60th. This series is going to favor Washington incredibly. If you watch it, it was chippy, physical. The refs let the game go on. There, there weren't very many uh, penalties. Only the blatant ones are called. But the game that they played tonight, if it is any indication of what the rest of the series is going to look like, it plays up right at Washington's alley. We saw Ovechkin. He was physical. He was looking to hit guys and make his presence out there on the ice. We saw Krejci. He's been kind of a force the last 10 or so games since they've acquired Hall. And the first shift for Ovechkin just absolutely railed Krejci in the corner. Tonight, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, they were so slow. Washington did a hell of a job the first two periods, keeping all of them to the outside and limiting the interactions in front of the goal. But that first line, they struggled. Washington were able to keep them in check. I think Boston's going to have to rely on their depth guys. You know, We saw today the goals from Richie and DeBrusque. They're going to need points from them. And they're back in, too. We saw Lazan had a great night, too, being physical, keeping Ovechkin guessing and looking over his back shoulder. But this is going to be a good series all the way till the end. It's so even, in my opinion. A lot of yeah. people have said it, it's so even. But yeah. I, Washington yeah. edges them out. 
Absolutely. In my opinion, I think this is going to be the most entertaining series to watch. That Yeah, 100%. This game, if you watched, or I don't know how much of you guys watched it, but it was entertaining. They were going at it, chirping, going all. There wasn't a shift where there wasn't a good hit anywhere, whether it was along the ice or, or along the boards or in the middle of the ice. The physicality was off the charts the entire game. Two tough teams. That's the hockey that I love to see. I'm pissed off. I didn't get a chance, I didn't get a chance to watch it tonight, but I'm going to have to that, catch game two. That's the thing. Like Playoff hockey is meant to be physical, but with this division alignment, it just makes it that much better. These two teams have played, I think, seven times the entire series, and, and they have a history. Tom Wilson and Brandon Carlo, right? So it just makes it that much more interesting the entire series, the way this division alignment's panned out. And Joey, you said it's going to be the most entertaining series in the entire playoffs, and I agree. Yeah, Tom Wilson and Brendan Carlo, the hit that got Tom Wilson suspended for longer than injuring a guy for the rest of the season and jumping on him and punching the shit out of him. Yeah, we went into that. I don't want to touch that again. Please. What a shit show. Honestly, fuck. Anyway, so now moving on to the division that um, most of our viewers were waiting for, the North Division. And this is going to be the easiest one to talk about, my God, because we're starting with uh, number two. All right, so, wow, Joey, a masterclass on viewer retention. We'll start <laughs> off with Edmonton versus Winnipeg. This is just another episode of Connor McDavid, Drysaddle, and who cares? Realistically, I like both teams, but I think that Hellebuck's never been a playoff goalie. I've never seen him do well in the playoffs. I think McDavid and Drysaddle, they're just going to run a fucking rampage this series. I'm saying Oilers and six, McDavid's going to have 10 points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a, a complete slaughter i'm looking at some stats right now mcdavid averaged 2.4 points a game against the jets this season and smith only gave up 2.06 goals a game i'm not saying that this team plays their best against winnipeg but if i was edmonton winnipeg would be the team i'd want to play in the playoffs but edmonton against anybody in that division except toronto of course because toronto is jesus agreed they're not with those guys especially mcdavid muff said this off camera but i don't mean to get controversial but he is the greatest hockey player of all time. And I do not see the Winnipeg Jets as a team being able to stop that. Not the team that they have. No chance at hell they'll be able to stop the McDavid trade. Completely agreed. Edmonton in six. You guys touch on it. I'll try to keep this one quick. Did you guys see the stat that said if McDavid didn't score one goal this entire season, he'd finish second in yeah. points behind Dreisaitl? That's like, 99 type shit. That's not supposed to happen in this day and age of the nhl and it just shows you how dominant Connor mcdavid is like when he steps on the ice you're playing on his ice Uh, there's just no two ways about it anyways the entire edmonton oilers they've been playing well the play of nurse and barry they're putting a name for themselves especially barry on a contract year again on his show me deal the only thing is is whether or not the edmonton goaltending is able to keep up with the winnipeg offense they're top six shifley cop Stasny, Wheeler, and O'Connor there, they've totaled for 53 points since the trade deadline. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl alone have totaled for 59. It's just going to be a slaughter fest. Their defense sucks. Hellebeck doesn't play well in the playoffs. It's just a whole list. 100%. This is kind of weird. We've been agreeing on way too much. It doesn't feel It doesn't feel normal. Take the hot take on the next one. Yeah, Wait, no, who's, no, who's taking a hot take on the next one? I don't know, man. Matt loves fucking talking bullshit, so 
I don't think it has to be him. Hey, I mean, if, I'm I, sh- if I'm shitting on a team, it's not going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Some of the stuff Matt says, like, I'm surprised his ass isn't jealous of how much shit comes out of his mouth. We could just put it that way. <laughs> I like, think that's oh, a perfect man. transition into this next series. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Montreal Canadiens. The series that we've been waiting for, for over 20 years. Fuck the me. First True. time these two clubs have met since 1979. It's been a hell of a long time. I don't it's know. Been longer <laughs> than we've been alive. That is for sure. It's been two times longer than we've been alive. Yep. I see, Joey, that's not saying much. We're 18 years old. This league's been around for over 100 years. Yeah. You think that two Canadian teams will play each other in a playoff? Yeah, but Toronto the Canadian teams have been every year, though, since. Unfortunately, you the Canadian teams have been absolute shit. Yeah. Thanks, fucking Gary. Dickhead. <laughs> Can we say that? I'd assume so. I really don't think we're striking it with the NHL front office anytime soon. Especially with our talk of Paros last week. Yeah, no sponsorship deals coming in the next little bit. Okay. Yeah. So do all the shit talking you want now. Fuck you, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy, bro. All right. Let's get back on track here. Like you mentioned, Toronto versus Montreal. I'm going to put this nice and short. Toronto, five games. They got a much deeper team. They could score their way out of almost anything. And the Habs are already down Drouin. Weber is going to be back for game one, but he's not going to be the same. Plus, Toronto's getting back Riley Nash. They're getting back Hyman. And that's one thing I'm excited for, playoff Hyman. Oh, my God. It's like playoff Crosby, just a completely different beast. I want to compare him to playoff Crosby. But no, I'm not comparing him to Crosby. Yeah, that's another one of those hot takes I, you were listen, just talking about. Listen, I'm not comparing him to Crosby. I'm saying he's the type of player that when he gets to the playoffs, he just hits another level. He's a different animal in the playoffs. I'm not comparing him to Crosby. I love the guy, but I'm not comparing him to Crosby. Uh, your take, what did you say? was i'm saying toronto five games and the one game that montreal is going to win is because it's going to be a shit goaltending performance from campbell okay okay. i'll take matt right here campbell starts all five games that's a hot take that i'm gonna agree with i'm gonna agree with that no i'm gonna agree campbell starting all five games that's not a hot take at all oh that's what joy said anyways yeah the leafs all around forward defense goaltending just so much better weber price gallagher to know they should be all ready for game one that will give them some kind of a boost to put up a better fight that's the reason why i say toronto in five but the additions with the leafs simmons thornton brody bogosian and sandine just made them that much more physical in my opinion i think thornton should be scratched for game one holy I want to start that now. Table. He's been on a tear recently. He's not going to No, scratched. no, no. So are we not playing Mariley Nash the first game? No, we are. We're taking out Engvall. <laughs> Did you hear that? Would you rather keep in Engvall over Thornton? Engvall has four goals in his last five games. He's literally proving that he deserves a spot I'm in the playoffs. The Joel Thornton, five games. he sits in front of the net when he plays with Matthews and Marner, which he'll probably play on the fourth line. Anyways. No, no he won't. You won't? Thornton. Yeah. He's starting that first shift with Austin and Marner. No, it's going to be Hyman, Austin, Marner, Felino, Nylander, Thornton, and then Thornton's going to make up that fourth line with Spets on I'm going to correct you there. You said Thornton instead of Tavares. Unless that's yeah. another hot take you want to take, Tavares on the third. God, no. God, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thornton, another okay, another no. hot take starts talking about Thornton going to the fourth line. Then, oh, yeah, Felino, Nylander, Thornton. No, no, Felino, Tavares, three, and three guys Nylander. that three guys that can't play center anymore. No, well, no, no. In, in Nylander's case, at all. I'd rather sit Engvall Muff to argue with you a bit. The past five games, Leafs have been clutched in the spot playoff spot. 
Yeah, and they play. They played the Sens dog shit. They play the Sens like shit. They play the Jets like shit. Montreal, they were already in the playoffs. Okay, so then we can argue that for Freddie Anderson's performance. We fully I, can. I, I the the Leafs, if you watch that game. I cannot argue Freddie's and, Freddie Anderson's not game. Not for anything. I'm going to give Freddie the benefit of the doubt. It was his first NHL game in month. Yeah. But not for anything. He looked fucking lost. No, you're forgetting the supporting details here as to why he didn't have a great game. His first goal, Ben Hutton is in front of him, and he ducks. He ducks out of the way of blocking the puck. Why? Because he has to save himself for the playoffs. And really, do you really want a goalie who's playing his first NHL game in two months? Do you really want him to suffer through that? His defenseman being scared of a puck? I don't know. You ask any goalie, they want that defenseman standing there. The next goal, the second one, Riley gets burned on the penalty kill. Anderson makes the initial save. It gets lost in his skates. What do you want him to do? Okay, yeah, maybe that's a bad one. Anyways, the third one, he makes the save. Then the puck gets centered. Or, sorry, no, the puck, um, who was it now? I don't remember. Anyways, he was in the corner. He throws the puck in front of the net to Anderson, who has to slide back over to his left, and the puck hits him on the skate and bounces into the net. And then the fourth one was an empty netter. So I really don't see how you can grade his game based off a team that wasn't playing to what they usually play at because they're preserving themselves for the playoff run. And I'm sorry, you have to see that. That's just the way it is. If you really, truly watch a game and then go in-depth analysis of a game, you have to understand that. I'm not calling you guys poor analysts, but maybe indirectly a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not calling you guys poor right. analysts, but if you guys were analysts, you wouldn't be that good. Well, yeah, basically. Anyways, that, that's just my take. If we want to go back to Thornton, he really has done nothing. To me, he's a ghost out there. Sure, he cycles the puck and that fourth line throws it from the left side hash marks to the right side hash marks a few times in a shift, and that's about it for them. No chance they bench Thornton for Angle. No, that, that's a thing. They won't do that. They won't do that. They're they won't do that, them. sadly. But if they want to do what's best for the team, they keep Engvall in because he's been playing lights out. Or you keep Riley Nash scratched. Take your pick. For game one of the playoffs, it's going to end up being the same team that played against the Jets a couple days ago. Unfortunately. Jets. Nash and Hyman are both not going to be ready for game one. Or that works. So then by that time, you'll see who's playing better in the playoffs. And you'll have a better understanding. Plus, you'll have a better, <laughs> you'll have a better understanding based off of how the Habs are playing. Who would you say is a tougher player, though? Thornton or Angle? Thornton just does not do what a team would need in the does playoffs. Does the Toronto Maple Leafs need Angle to score a goal? But what is Thornton doing? Put it that way. Providing toughness, providing... Providing toughness. That's We don't need we any... We we have our toughness. We've acquired... And Thornton's a huge part of that. We have our scoring. We have fucking Austin Matthews. <laughs> I understand Johnson that, Mark. but... We don't need... Thick four fucking 120 pounds soaking wet angle on the fourth line playing three minutes a game and getting a goal. That's not what the Leafs need. The Leafs need a grizzled vet that's been in that situation, that's played in the playoffs, that's made deep runs before. Yeah, deep runs. So why are we not playing him? Why would we keep him and play him in the first round? This entire team has playoff experience of the first round. All of them do. Thornton, we can save and play him. If Engvall doesn't keep playing the way he is in the first round, 
we could put Thornton in in the second or third round when we really need that experience. You sit Thornton for two weeks and you expect him to come into the second round of NHL playoff hockey at 41 years old and play his best. His best does not help the Leafs at all. I wouldn't even say he's a ghost because he's six foot four with a beard that's the size of fucking Toronto. But you know what? He does not help that fourth line at all. Uh, If you want to continue to argue with me, I'm all for it. Yeah, I know you're a stubborn fucker. I feel like this that argument would just be all the same points passed around until one of us refuses to go. So I'm going to assume that we're going to end this argument because no way in hell am I changing my opinion on that. And that's exactly why we are going to end this argument. Yeah, let's end this argument because you're a stubborn yeah. fucker. And we're going to run out of time with the Zoom call. Joey seems just as stubborn as I am. That's why we work well together. <laughs> Honestly, I'm too exhausted to jump in on this argument right now. <laughs> Leafs in five. Wait, just let's leave it at that. Leafs in five, yeah. All right, so let's say this then. Who are your cup favorites? Avalanche, Toronto final. Toronto's taking her home in six. Toronto, Vegas final. Toronto takes it in a historic game seven. Okay, the Leaf enemy wants me to say wants to say Toronto. The realist in me is saying. See, I have a feeling you're trying to come up with another team to have a, like to not to have another stigma. The Leafs are a great hockey team. They are a contender. They are a contender, but at the same time, if at the same time, even though we're all from Toronto, we're all and we're all Leaf fans. You got all three of us going saying, Oh yeah, Leafs are gonna win the cup. Doesn't look the best in the show. <laughs> sure, but it's it's just the way it is though. Like they I have know, the potential to go I, there. Listen, I get it, but at the same time, Colorado's they got a better chance of winning the cup than compared to Toronto. No, don't see it. I'm gonna have to say Colorado Vegas is going to be a great series, second round. It's going to end up being Colorado versus Caps. Colorado versus the Caps in this series final? In the cup final. No, they don't play in the cup final. How do you know that? Actually, no, I lied. For the, yeah, after yeah, the yeah, I forgot about gets, that, yeah. Gets reseeded one through four, so you never know. That's true, I guess. The yeah. series that I, the cup final that I want to see the most is Toronto-Boston. Talking dark horses here, my dark horse, I wouldn't classify Toronto as a dark horse. My dark horse is Carolina. My dark horse is Florida. Joey? My dark horse, the Caps. You think the Caps are dark? I, I think they're only a dark guess. horse if their starting goalies don't come back. That's the only way. They're thir- yeah, Craig that's Anderson's their third string goaltender right now. And if Samsonov or uh, Vanacek. Vanacek, yes. Yeah, what's wrong with Samsonov? I don't know. And I have no idea. All I know is Anderson's their third string. And if they don't get one of those two back, then you can classify him as a dark horse. Yeah, shit. Uh, I'm curious what the situation is. <laughs> Their fourth string is Zach Fucali. Zach Fucali. Oh, he's finally going to have a chance to shine, possibly. I had high hopes for him when he was playing with Team Canada in the juniors. I yeah, thought he was going to be yeah, really, when he was really the high, good. He was but, the highest drafted goalie since like Rick DiPietro. Yeah, I thought he was going to play really well. I, I saw a few AHL games when he was with Montreal. I thought he was going to be good. He just really hasn't panned out. Prize that he's on Washington. For some reason, I thought he was still with Vegas. No, no. One of those minor league deals that goes under the radar. Yeah, but that's the thing with goalies. They always seem to fly under the radar. Me, because I'm just a nerd, I catch most of it. But like, I remember in the offseason, fucking Garrett Sparks signed an ECHL contract. You just realized? Or then, whatever. No, I didn't realize. I like just realized that just like that was like something like fell completely under the radar. He's playing in the AHL with Stockton right now, the uh, the Calgary Flames AHL affiliate. 
Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're uh, just about done here. Unless you guys uh, want to go over a couple more things, I'm always down to argue. But if you don't have any points to argue against me with, I'm good to wrap it up. Let's just leave it at this, Alex. You're a stubborn fucker. I have the energy for that. Fuck. Honestly. I'm a stubborn fuck. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> You know what? You spew more shit than anybody I know, and Joey he comes in with the Buddy, bare you're, minimum. You're, of literally, facts. you're literally on a show with Joey Forlano. You're calling saying I spew more shit. Some of your playoff takes, or even Tortorella going to Buffalo, I just bleh. I don't know. I, I don't know. Just wait, just wait. Sam Reinhart, first line center for coached by John Tortorella. He's gonna get benched his first game. Or the fact that you think Ristolainen's gonna be moved before Eichel. That's another hot take. I don't know. We already discussed this. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to episode 14 of Twigs and Twine, our playoff special, presented on the Undrafted Sports Podcasting Network. We hope you guys have a great week and let's enjoy the first round of playoff hockey. Thank you for listening.